Welcome to The Alex Tremble Show, where we share the strategies and secrets you need to know in order to successfully increase your influence, build strategic networks, and advance in your career. An award-winning speaker, author, and leadership coach, Alex brings executive leaders from across the world to share their inspirational stories and insights to help you become an exceptional public servant while also reaching your career goals. Without further ado, here's your host, Alex D. Tremble. Hello, everyone. This is Alex Trumbull again from The Alex Trumbull Show, and we are blessed to have another phenomenal guest joining us today, Mr. Shane Cantfill. Shane is the CEO of the Worldwide Assurance for Employees of Public Agencies, WEPA, and they provide civilian service federal employees and their loved ones with dependable life insurance. And how we came to meet was in 2020, they asked me, they hired me to come speak at their annual event on career progression for public service employees. And we had a phenomenal, exciting, so much fun during that time together that him and I stayed connected. And as I watched him and as I saw how he led, I became more and more impressed with his leadership and where he is taking his company. See. During Shane's time as the CEO of WEPA, he has not only tripled the employee size, but he's also helped them advance in their technology as well as increase their membership of civilian feds in their programs. And see, what's so interesting to me is how he's done this while also fostering and promoting a, a culture of diversity the entire time. And so what Shane and I are going to talk about is not only diversity, but we're going to be talking specifically about how one can stand out from the crowd, how you can stand out from competition. And when you all have the same technical abilities, how do you make yourself Oof, how do you make yourself shine and be that shining star so the hiring manager chooses you or the other people? But we're also going to discuss why it's critical that you not only be focused on helping and benefiting the mission of your organization and those around you, but why you should also be focused on helping yourself, benefiting yourself, growing yourself, and make sure that you too reach your career and personal aspirations. See, I know that you're excited and ready to go and get listening to this next interview, but I have one special treat that I have to share with you right now. See. WEPA was the first organization to support The Alex Trimble Show. They said that they felt that was important to support federal employees in reaching their career aspirations, not just life insurance, but to help them be well-rounded and be successful. And they put their money where their mouth was by supporting and sponsoring this show. So I have to give a 100% thank you to them. And two, to celebrate this, this partnership, everyone today has access to 15% off of any of the online training programs that you can find at alextrimble.com. All you have to do is use the discount code WEPA Life Insurance and you immediately get 15% off any of the online courses. So whether you want to learn how to be a more effective networker, whether you want to 
understand how to select the right mentor to make sure that you reach your goals. Whether you want to learn how to be an effective leader during the time of COVID by reading the Reaching Senior Leadership book with all the extra interviews that we have in the post-COVID version, you have access to all of those courses for 15% discount at alextremble.com by simply using the discount code WEPA Life Insurance. Whew. Okay, I'm done. I'm hoping you guys take advantage of this. WEPA is an awesome organization who definitely supports learning development and they support you. So I'm going to step aside and uh, let's get going. Hello, everyone. This is Alex Trimble from The Alex Trimble Show. And today I have a good friend with me, um, Mr. Shane Canfield. How are you doing today, kind sir? Great, great, Alex. Uh, it's good to see you again. And I do, uh, I do long for that day when we can do this live and in person. Uh, hopefully that's coming soon. I mean, we could do it in person and we could, we could wear uh, bubble suits. And No, <laughs> no, no. It's okay. <laughs> this is better. Temporary, but better. <laughs> I got you. I got you. I got you. Um, so, you know, kind of jump us off in a weird direction. Um, I was watching um, the Avengers and it, it, Thanos, Thanos had collected all the, the gemstones so he could have all this power. Right. And he could snap his finger and anything could happen. Um, you're now the CEO of WEPA. I feel like you've collected all the gemstones. Um what does it feel like to have all that power? Oh my goodness. Uh, well, I, blah, uh, let me, let me wrestle with that one a little bit. Uh, I don't really look at it that way, Alex. I look at it as uh, you know, we have a mission to serve our members and everything that we can collect, if you will, to make that happen. That's what we do. So um, as far as a leadership style goes, I'm more of a, uh, I'm not a, a, uh, a dictator or, <laughs> uh, you, you know, I, I, I like collaboration and uh, we've got a great leadership team and we spend, uh, we spend time on any major project collaborating and, and we've got, I, I, we do that really well. And, uh, you know, it, it um, I think it's effective. You know, I think when you get a bunch of people together that are all very smart and dedicated, uh, you get better decisions than if one person's making that. So uh, I don't know if that helps answer that one or not. I, you know, the the power question. I don't think of work that way. That's not. That's just not how I roll. So. Well, you know, it it was a bit of a trick question. Mm -hmm. If you were to say that you were like Thanos, um, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not yeah, sure that I would even believe it. <laughs> wrong, wrong interview, right? <laughs> Well, but you did get us started off talking about your team and how, how well you guys collaborate and you're bringing different ideas to the table. Um, see, well, last month was Black History Month and, and this month is Women's History Month. And, you know, I, I kind of pride myself on being like a Larry King. Larry King does not do, he was famous for not doing research on his guests. He, he wanted to have a real organic conversation, but something made me look at your board. I went to your website and looked at your board. I looked at your senior leadership team and they're fairly diverse. Um, how, how did you, did that just happen or did you, are you very intentional with how you, how you've structured this team that you work with? That, that's a great question. Um, uh, WEPA has always championed diversity, even back when 
uh, wasn't necessarily the language wasn't as uh, robust as it is today. Uh, you know, the board has always been a reflective of the federal workforce, which is a diverse group of folks. So uh, that that didn't need any any work work at all. You know, that was done and built, and that's one of the things that attracted me to WEPA was this embracing and recognizing naturally and organically that a diverse board uh, makes better decisions. You know, you bring different perspectives, for, uh, you know, you bring different career perspectives, but you also bring different life experiences, paths that people have in their careers. I think all of that uh, plays into um, having a more robust view of anything and everything that you do. Uh, on the leadership side, we've grown the organization significantly over the uh, past four and a half years during my tenure. And uh, I would say it was in my mind, but not necessarily the sole driver. I'm looking for the, for the, the best and the, and the brightest to come into WEPA. And um, it's, it's worked out uh, extremely well. And we do have a diverse board and leadership team. And we have a diverse employee base. You know, our employees aren't shown on, uh, except for leaders on our website. But, you know, if you were to take a look at that, um, I think it's excellent. And what it does is bring better work product, better production, if you will. I mean, you could go all the way to just looking at it in a, in a quantitative way. Uh, matter. It's certainly um, qualitatively too. I think everybody appreciates that. I know that over time, you know, this, this is of real value to the organization because at the end of the day, what we want to do is have a robust organization and serve our members well. And our membership base as well is, is fairly diverse. So um, I, I, you know, your question was, was, was it purposeful? I mean, I certainly part of it, but um, I, I think what this reflects is just good business sense. So you and I are lockstep with this. Um, aside from it just being the right thing, um, it makes great business sense. And if, if I can press a little bit more on this, um, I think there are many organizations out there um, who don't focus on it and, it, and diversity doesn't happen. Um, okay. People don't feel like they're welcome there. And they, 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 so if they, if they bring someone, they end up leaving because the, the culture doesn't allow them to, to feel like they're, they're wanted there and so on and so forth. So I, I, it's, I think it's, for, for me, it's hard to believe that nothing was done. It just happened organically because so many organizations try, do nothing and it doesn't happen. So I feel like there's something you guys, you guys got some secret sauce somewhere where, where you guys have created an atmosphere where this happens organically. Do you, do you have any idea how, how that happens? Well, uh, you know, we, we do, we do pay attention to it, but it's not, um, <clears throat> I'm struggling to answer this one, Alex. Uh, I will tell you that it is, um, it, it's a philosophy in general and uh, more and more it's codified, uh, but it, uh, you know, we've always felt that way. And uh, so in that sense, you might call it organic. Um, it's not without purpose or thought, but it also all worked out. 
So it's not just words, you know, that having a diverse workforce brings more ideas and better uh, and a better work environment. It's not just words because it's actually true. Yeah. And yeah. we knew it was true. We did that as we built the leadership team. And it is it is factually true. So sometimes, you know, we can get lost in studies and and, you know, objectives and goals. But I think if, if you just put some actual experience and observation of lived experience, uh, then, then this becomes a reality that, that works for everybody. And I, I'm, I'm thrilled. Um, I can tell you it's, it's a wonderful work environment. People on our staff all the way down, uh, all the way through the organization feel that way as well. And it's, it's welcoming. It's a safe place. It's, um, you know, we treat each other with respect. These basic core uh, golden rule principles uh, are, are alive and well uh, and at WEPA. And I, I love it. I think it's absolutely perfect. Um, so yeah, I'm developing a program for um, actually two of my clients right now. We're, we're developing leadership programs. And your answer makes me think of what we're, what we're doing, what I'm pushing for there. Um, I feel like there historically, there has been this, let's focus on diversity this week. This is diversity week. And that's when we right. talk about diversity. Um, and what I've been pushing to do as well as actually the, the last interview I did with um, Dr. Smith, talking about uh, how men can be better allies to their women counterparts and mentor them is to not put diversity into this bucket like you guys are talking about. You don't, you don't put it in no bucket. It's, it's, it's part of everything you do, which then allows it to be organic. And so I, I, love, I love how you guys are approaching this. Um, I, mm -hmm. I, I think that's the, that's the, I think that's the most effective and, and the most effective way to do this and make it long-term versus if you have a, a week or a person who's, who's managing this, that person leaves or that week gets changed something else and it just dies off. Right, right. This isn't a on the shelf, um, <clears throat> do it once and it, and it goes in the drawer as, as that circular drawer that we all um, <laughs> tend to put things that we're not really interested in. But uh, yeah, you know, I, I have two um, children that, well, they're adults now, but they're both women. I, and I wanted them to have a great environment. So uh, for, for life in the nation with their career choices, uh, so I've been uh, very aware of this as a father of, of, of two girls. You know, how is society dealing with this evol evolution around uh, women in the workplace? It's been top of mind for me in a very personal way. Um, I have a son who has special needs uh, and, um, uh, you know, he, ha he, has, he has Down syndrome. So I've been keenly aware of of the way different kinds of um, uh, folks in our society are, are treated and uh, how they're respected or not. And what are the opportunities for uh, folks of many different, uh, with, with many different attributes that sometimes uh, might not get the full kind of um, opportunities that the rest of us do. And then there are many uh, examples like that. Uh, and so maybe that's part of it that I've just grown up with it. I, I think for anyone who's, I know we've jumped in this really quickly. And so I'm hoping people are, who are listening to taking note. One thing you've talked about now a couple times 
is experience and the important part of having uh, those, those different experiences allow you to think and see the world differently. Um, mm-hmm. That's why one of the reasons why you value, value diversity and, you know, you having um, two daughters, uh, wonderful daughters and, and a wonderful son and, and seeing the world, trying to see the world through their eyes and, and how they interact with it. That's critical. Um, and so I, I guess it's just for me, again, it underscores the importance of not also not only um, looking for people who have different experiences to bring them into your team, but also actively putting yourself in a situation where you have different experiences. So you see the world differently. Um, Is this something you would agree with? Uh, Absolutely. It's not, this isn't reading about it in a book. Now we all like to read. Uh, I I love to read. I learn, learn through different uh, people in their written word, um, 10 webinars and, and, you know, have, uh, fellows that I worked with over over many years, all of these are are lived experiences. You have to have. I think you also need that um, more formal education, if you will, the the more in depth treatment that um, scholarly works, for example, will dive into issues like diversity. I think all of that's critical. You can't do, but if you do, only do that and that's all you do, then I think you are missing a piece, which is living your life, seeing it real time. I've been blessed to be a CEO. This is my third organization now. Uh, so I've been blessed to see the, the benefits of diversity my whole, much of my career. So, uh, it, you know, it's, I was, was talking to a young, a young person and he was really, uh, really good at video games. And he loved the skiing video game. And he thought that that meant he could ski. And he was shocked when he got on the slope. <laughs> so, so you gotta, you know, there's gotta be some living of this. And, and once you live it, especially diversity, if you live this, you don't, you don't need to, to reconfirm what you've read in a book, you don't need that because you've seen it with your own eyes and your own experience in the office. I, I again, I, I love it and I appreciate so much that you shared that. And and I, I, I now I want to kind of ask you another question. Again, you you touched on the formal education. So you have your MBA. Um, you've been a CEO of multiple organizations now. Um, but can I ask you how did you? how did you go about becoming a CEO? Like what were the life experiences? Um, let's say three, if you think of right now, three life experiences that led you to being ready, prepared to become a CEO. Well, in, in, I think everybody has a personal story here. So I, I'm not going to talk about, I'm not going to meld other people's paths with mine. I'll just give you my personal experience. So I started uh, in um, the insurance business uh, a long time ago in the late 1980s, if I can date myself a bit. <clears throat> and, um, and, and then I moved to, uh, and that was in this uh, affinity world. And so, um, uh, meaning pooled risk plans of different organizations that band together to make their risk pool bigger than it is separately. And therefore they have buying cloud and their actuarial advantages to this and smoothing of, of risk. Uh, so 
that was kind of where this started. And then I went to Northwestern Mutual Life and was an agent with them, which is more or less an independent contractor kind of arrangement, or not even contractor. You're a sole proprietor, if you will. And Northwestern Mutual gives you corporate support, which is great, great company. Um, But throughout this, I was always looking at the nonprofit world. I was always intersecting with it, with it somehow. And so it appealed to me in the sense that it's, yes, you have to make money. Uh, if it, a nonprofit insurance organization is still, you know, you need to pay the bills, you need to grow the business, you need to be an ongoing business. But at, the, at its core, it's more than that. It's, it's, it's a larger picture where you're serving a membership. It's a servant relationship. And there's a little bit of a different spin philosophically. Uh, You take more of a long-term view because it's not, you're not trying to make quarterly report earnings reports. Um, You don't have shareholders that are constantly pressuring you for either increases share price or dividend. Um, So this and the, the boards of those kinds of organizations are usually members. And so they're not necessarily looking only for uh, a return on investment necessarily. They're looking for the best deal for members. Mm-hmm. And they're really good at that because they're members themselves. <laughs> so there's <laughs> a different philosophical piece to this that appealed to me. So um, uh, the next, so I ran a, a large pooled risk um, health plan for uh, independent schools and small colleges. And that was uh, very successful, but again, it was owned by a nonprofit. So it had that different philosophy set in, into its culture, into its DNA. Um, and then uh, from there, I uh, went to a trade association, which was similar. It was Fortune 500 companies, people that ran employee benefit plans for big groups, you know, and this was, these were, you know, half the Fortune 100 remembers. And the person that ran HR and benefits represented that company to the group. And so we talked about, you know, how do you move employee populations? How do you make sure you satisfy their needs? Um, so there's there's a profit angle in it, but the organization itself was a nonprofit. And then WEFA is uh, a nonprofit as well. And our board is all they're all civilian federal employees. They want to do sincerely want us to provide a great value for civilian federal employees. And again, it's not, we're not looking at, it's not, you know, I want to be careful with how I phrase this. We want to be successful financially, but the reason isn't to line our own pockets. The reason is to make the program and what we give to our employees our federal employees better. Well, I, I do want to, if I can, if I can talk about that specific point, um, the, the audience who, who listens to this generally are public servants. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I've heard from so many of them is a somewhat of a, a push and pull they are focused on the mission. They know they yeah. want to serve the, the people and, and, yeah. and, and get good things done. But they felt, they sometimes feel like if they focus on their own career, getting, their, getting promotions, moving up the ranks, as you have to a CEO position, leadership position, they feel like 
man, am I really focusing? Can I do both? Can, can, I, can I be focused on the people and the mission and be focused on myself and, and, and progressing in my career? How did you square that? Because I know you're very public sector focused, public service focused. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I, I don't think the two things are at odds at all. You know, as you're as you're learning and growing in your own um, uh, profession, that enables you if you if you want to advance. Right. I mean, not everybody uh, necessarily wants that. But let's say you do um, then improving yourself in turn translates into improving your organization. So I think that these two things are um, tremendously intertwined. Uh, and then there's the, yeah, yeah. you know, there's the personal piece too. Um, so uh, right out of high school, I started working. Uh, I had a little bit of taste of government in high school. I was a intern for Maryland Sixth District uh, congressman. So in my junior year, I would, this was in Frederick, Maryland. I would, I wasn't even driving then. And my mother would drop me off in downtown Frederick and I'd get in the car because he lived in Maryland, right? <laughs> so he didn't, he didn't live in another, it, it was drivable, right? So he didn't have, like a lot of these folks do, they have apartments mm-hmm. or condos yeah. in DC. He didn't have that dynamic. It was a car ride. And so I had a little bit of taste of it uh, early on, but I always uh, res- respected public service. But in high school, I didn't go right into college like so many people did. I, I did all of my school at night. And um, this was a personal goal of mine that uh, became more and more important to me as I got older. And, uh, you know, I think people have family dynamics too. You know, I wanted to make sure I was able to, to, um, you know, be a good, good dad and, uh, you know, you know, bring money to the table at, at home. So, uh, it's, it, it, you know, now, frankly, there's another dynamic. I don't want to go too far sideways here, but, um, you know, the nonprofit world is not the same kind of, um, pay, if you will, mm-hmm. as the for-profit world. So there was a point in my career early on where I had to make a decision that, do I, does it, does the nonprofit world and those attributes I mentioned earlier, does that feel right? Is that the right path? Or yeah. am I just about money? And there's nothing wrong with money. Don't miss, please don't misunderstand. If, if I'm more focused on money, that was a, that I should have, I would have picked the corporate insurance world. But that didn't fit with me personally. And I think people have to make these decisions for themselves. So for me, it was I wanted to continue school. I did all my school at night. And then uh, the for-profit versus nonprofit path. And I made a decision early on. And honestly, I I made the absolute right decision. I love the nonprofit mindset. Uh, It's got a service mentality. Uh, In the case of the federal employees, it's, it's like two service mentalities because our members are civilian feds. They're serving the nation and we're serving them. It's a, it's a real honor and a privilege, honestly. Thank you for tuning in to the Alex Tremble Show. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Federal open season is over, but you can apply for WEPA life insurance year round. WEPA has been insuring the future of federal employees for more than 75 years. WEPA can be used as a supplement or a replacement for Fegley and can cost less. 
Last year, members who switched saved $375 on average. Apply for WEPA Group Term Life Insurance and see how much you could save by visiting WAEPA.org today. The results are in. Research has found that networking is one of the four skills absolutely required to successfully advance in your career. However, when asked, most government employees state that they don't network because they believe that networking is for extroverts and for people who care more about their own careers than the organization's mission. But what if there was a way to ethically network without looking self-absorbed and being a super extrovert? Well, there is. Alex Tremble has created a seven-week online networking course specifically designed to give ambitious leaders like yourself the skills needed to become a strategic networker. This course uses time-tested and research-backed strategies to help you identify, build, and maintain critical relationships with influential leaders. Visit alextremble.com courses networking to learn more about his networking model today. Use the discount code podcastfamily on the checkout screen to receive a 20% discount. Don't delay. Enroll today at alextremble.com courses networking. And now back to The Alex Tremble Show with your host, Alex Tremble. Th- th- again, thank you for saying that. I always appreciate any, anyone and everyone who, who gives um, props and kudos to our, fe- our federal, state, local, any, any public servant, um, because they, they are doing a, a, a huge benefit to our country and, and the world in reality. Yep. Um, so, sure. so thank you for that. Um, you also, I, I do want to, just want to make a, a real quick point. Um, I feel like we, people should also be thinking about their career. W- understand what you want, your why, right? Like Simon Sinek talks about your why. Um, if you focus on that first, then you can, um, then you can kind of back out of it, backwards plan, uh, backwards planning and say, okay, how do I get there? Because, you know, if you enjoy, if you if you love serving the public, um, you don't have to be in government to do that, right? You can serve mm-hmm. the public from the government. You can serve the public from the nonprofit. You can serve the public from a profit organization. It's really about a huge, like you, you did, is you found what you were passionate about, and then you found the, the vehicle to allow you to keep doing that, um, whether that be, you know, wherever it was in, but you, you found what you're passionate about, and you found a vehicle to help you get there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think uh, everybody has life choices to make. Um, uh, some years ago, I had a life choice about uh, school, and uh, you know, one of the things I was considering was a law degree, and one of the things I was considering was an MBA. So I had to wrestle with that. This is a personal choice. So I had young children at home, and uh, I wanted to be part of their lives. I didn't want to be uh, an absentee parent, and Law degrees, part-time law degrees are intense, very intense. You know, it's four to five nights your first two years and usually a Saturday or a Sunday. And then the second two years is, is less than that, but not much less than that. But that would have been four years that would have evaporated out of my life with my children. I didn't want that. That's a personal decision. And it's not that the MBA was less intense. I did a 60-hour MBA at George Mason, which was a really tremendous program. 
uh, don't re regret it at all in any way, shape or form. And um, that was the right choice to me. But my point is, I don't think anybody can do career choices in a vacuum. It's because we're also living human beings and we're growing and we're, we're getting older. We have decisions to make along the way. And uh, how do you, you know, if, for me, it was uh, affected by what I wanted my home life to be as well. I, it's, it's so weird to say that I wasn't thinking about that um, because you're, you're absolutely right. These career decisions aren't made in a vacuum. Um, a, a good friend of mine was just offered um, a very, very senior level position um, within the new administration. And in my mind, it was like, this is a no brainer. Yes, period. Yes, you're taking it. Um, and this person was like, well, I got kids. Who's going to watch the kids? What about daycare? Like, and like all these things. And so you're, you're right. These career decisions aren't made in a vacuum. And I guess it also makes me, um, just for everyone who's listening, when you look at someone and you, 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 you look at their decisions, you don't know all the information right. that played into that, that decision. Right, right, right. No, that's exactly right. And, um, you, you know, people that work uh, in, an, in an administration, for example, um, a lot of government, people sometimes don't realize just how hard these folks work. I mean, it's intense. And it's, a, it's, it's, you know, if you're working eight hours a day, I, I don't know what kind of job you have in an in administration. It doesn't exist, you know, 10, 12 mm -hmm. hours a day. And it's not just one day or two days. It's all the time. And so mm -hmm. I, I completely admire uh, people that do that. Uh, uh, I was not presented with that opportunity and I didn't pursue it. So I didn't have that particular decision to make. But also I take my job very seriously and I, mm -hmm. and I long and hard. And um, yeah, that's this is, but I don't think it can be underestimated uh, how important it is to, um, really think about your life globally when you make career decisions. I've tried to do that. And, uh, I, I hope everybody does, you know, you really, if you're going to, if you're going to pick up a job working, you know, 80 hours every week for four years in a row. Okay. That's great. Um, can I bring my kid to work sometimes, you know, <laughs> am I, am I okay with, with missing every soccer game for four years? You yeah. know, I don't know. No, I, everybody's different, right? Uh, Renee Redwood, um, one of the other um, guests on the on the podcast on the show, um, talked about the same thing. And so, you know, there are uh, we have to make decisions. At the end of the day, you will make a decision. Everyone makes decisions, um, and you should just be, I guess, hopefully, be in a point where you are okay with the decision you made, right? Um, don't look back on anybody. Oh my God! Well, the decisions made. So let's, let's right. move forward, you know? Agreed, agreed. And and um, personally, I think I've made great decisions because look where I am now. I'm at this tremendous organization. Exactly. It checks, checks all the boxes. It's got my professional and technical background is is fully used. It's got, um, it, you know, it's got the nonprofit angle we talked about. It's It's got a board that is just full of tremendous um, dedicated civil servants who, as we've talked about, they themselves are also dedicated to a higher calling. In my opinion, I think civil service is a higher calling. 
And then I've got a whole group of folks that as we build this organization and build a team, uh, you know, we're checking all the, the boxes that makes a productive and wonderful work environment. And um, do you have to have a great work environment to be successful? Yeah, probably not. You know, I've heard of lots of companies that are successful, but nobody really likes going to work. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I don't want that either, right? I, I want to <laughs> want this organization to flower and grow, and people to improve their own lives and careers. And we support all of that. So it's it's perfect. So I I I don't think I've made any bad choices over the years. You know, so hard ones, but not bad ones. Well, let, let's let's say um, fifteen years ago, um, did you know you were going to be the CEO of Weba? No, but um, I, I did know what the uh, landscape for nonprofit insurance companies that are associated with a group of people. Uh, this, this is a niche in the insurance business called affinity or association insurance. So I knew that landscape very well. And there are not a lot of opportunities in that space, but there are some. And so uh, did I know WEPA? No. But did I know generally the path? Yes, generally I did. So and I think that's where I wanted to go. You answered perfectly. I, I, I sent that script to you. Um, <laughs> that wasn't a script. Where is that? I didn't <laughs> that one. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. I'm well, just speaking candidly here. I hope that's okay. <laughs> well, no, that, that, that is what I, you said exactly what I was hoping everyone is going to hear now is, um, you don't need to know exactly where you're going. I, I, I feel like you need to know a general direction so that you know where to focus your energy. But as you have experiences in life and meet new people, um, you are going to, your career is going to go left, go right, you know, go back a little bit. Um, but you just should, I feel like you should, as long as you're consistently every single day growing, becoming better and trying to do something, make yourself better, you'll end up someplace great. I, I, I just, I have that belief. Yeah. I mean, and, and I will tell you this, this is one of those subjective uh, qualitative kinds of, of statements, but I also am a firm believer having experienced this a number of times in my life is that when something's right, you know, it, it's not a, it's not a resume thing. It's not a job description thing. Mm-hmm. You, you feel that it's right. All the pieces at least to a large extent, are clicking into place, and you're and you're thinking that's the place. That's what WEPA was for me. Um, it was it was it was right at both a objective level, but also at a at a visceral level, which I think matters. So, thank you for spending all the time you spent with us though so far. Um, I, I guess my next question is, you didn't. I, I, I feel like, I feel like there are probably a lot of people who have the experience to be a CEO at that level. I mean, there's, there's a number of people, right? Um, but you were selected. You must have brought something special to the table. Um, can I ask you, do you, do you know what, what the people who hired you into this role or even your past CEO roles, um, what do you think you bring to the table that's different than the run-of-the-mill CEO? 
Well, that would require me to uh, read people's minds, Alex, and I'm not sure uh, I, I can do that. Here's what I will tell you, that your point is very well taken. There are uh, on paper, for example, um, experience that people, many people have similar uh, experiences, technical skills, background, um, you know, so this kind of role, it's a hard choice and you start to get into things which don't translate well onto a piece of paper. What, what I would like to think is that, um, you know, I bring a little bit of, um, a little bit of passion about what I do. And, and cause, cause I, I, I'm personally engaged with this. This isn't a nine to five thing. Uh, it, it, with WEPA, I, I wanted to bring some of that passion. They, they embrace that now. Uh, our whole leadership team, our staff, everybody's passionate about what we do, but I bring that as well. And um, I, I would like to think those smaller intangible things, when you get to that decision point, when your talent pool is is turning on small things, I, I would like to think that passion made a difference. I, I want to underscore what you just shared and kind of maybe also bring in some some of the information you've shared earlier on. Um, so for everyone here who's who's listening, you know, I, I would I'm going to go out there on a limb. Look, for a lot of the positions you're looking to advance into, um, there's a lot of people who can do that. A lot of people have the technical skills to do that particular thing. Um, There's two things that Shane said I want to highlight. One is the passion, right? You need to differentiate yourself from everyone else. Passion is one of those huge things. Again, you're not doing it as a nine to five. You're doing it because you truly believe in it. You want to to better and serve and so on and so forth. So that passion. And then Shane talked about earlier, the experiences, having diversity. Uh, diverse experiences throughout your life allows you to see the world and see challenges and problems and opportunities in a different light, different than other people. And so I would, I would encourage everyone listening to one, make sure they find something they're passionate about. And two, make sure they're allowing themselves to have as many diverse experiences in life as possible so they can bring a different lens to the table. Absolutely agree. That's really well said, Alex. And the other thing is, is I think dedication and passion is a two-way street. So when I talked to the board, uh, I felt that from them too. Mm. That mattered to me. And so it built on one another because I knew these folks wanted WEPA to be a success, not theoretically, not because they had an ethical obligation to, it's because they also believed in it. And so that I, I felt that immediately. And, um, that, that is also critical. So reporting to a board is, is one thing you might be reporting to an individual, or it might be part of a, a, a department's mission or something, but somewhere in there, you have to know that where you're going also has that kind of passion or you're not going to be happy there. So my, my wife, if I can share just one thing about myself, um, my wife asked me the other day, um, uh, an organization has come to me and asked me about um, moving into an executive role at their organization. And, um, and it's a good role. It's a very interesting role. 
And I, I told her that as they were interviewing me, I was also interviewing them. Um, to your, your point, Shane, I want to make sure it's the right place for me as well. Um, but I think what precedes that is, I guess, maybe improving yourself, being in a situation, being in a situation where you have the ability to say no, right? Like, I feel like if when you're, when you're in a situation where you're, you have to take whatever job is presented to you, you're going to make a decision that you may not love in the end. Um, but if mm-hmm. you are consistently growing your, your skills and you have a good network and you can have opportunities coming to you, you have the ability to say no, which I guess maybe it will empower you more to interview those people who are interviewing you. I, I, that's, that's really well said. It is, a, it is a moving and complex dynamic. You, know, the, you have to have, for, for most jobs, you have to have some technical skills. Now, you know, exactly what those technical skills are varies by profession, but I, I did all kinds of stuff at night, you know, a, a, a undergraduate degree, an MBA at night. I have um, uh, a certified employee benefit specialist from the Wharton School of Business. It's more or less a master's degree. It's a really intense oh, wow. program on employee benefits, uh, registered health underwriter. I've got four or five of these things accumulated over time, but this constant curiosity and search for knowledge uh that's that's you know embedded deep but uh you know also you have to have that that right fit it's got to be the right work culture it's it's got to be people that embrace um the kind of of thing you want out of your environment your work environment you know if 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 it's a whole bunch of if it doesn't fit your to your point earlier it's it's not going to work um, so I think it's a, it's a combination of things, but always looking to improve oneself, I think is important. And, um, I don't recommend to anybody that they do all of their college at night, but you know, if that's, if that's what life has presented you with, and that's what you want to do, then my God, figure out a way to do it and get it done. Get it done. Oh, goodness gracious. Um, uh, the, the Nike, the Nike, um, Nike sign, just do it. Um, yeah. my, my, my wife made a, 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 a amendment to it, which I, I really love actually. Um, she says, just do it anyways. If you're tired, <laughs> just do it anyways. It's hard. Just do it anyways. Like it's just do it anyways. <laughs> Cause I will tell you life moves fast. And so, you know, if you, if you, if you just, if you wait and wait and wait, uh, eventually it's going to be too late. And you don't want to be in that position either. You don't want to look back with regrets. I don't regret mm-hmm, any mm-hmm. of this, not not a single bit. Um, so it's it's been it's been a, a journey and a ride and a really good one. You know, I'm loving it. And and you know, WAPA is full of wonderful. Uh, we got a great board. We've got great leadership. Um, we've got a wonderful staff, um, just from from top to bottom. You know, uh, it's it's an outstanding organization and it's growing and flourishing. And my hat's off to, to all of them because we do have passionate people at work. And how important is that? This feeds itself. Well, we're, we're about running up against our time. So I, I thank you for allowing us on this journey with you and allowing us to kind of peep into your, your journey and learn from what you've gone through, and what you've experienced. Um, I, I want to ask you one last question before I open the floor to you. Um, 
what is the most, like, what's the best advice that you've received sometime throughout your career? Um, what's the best advice that you've received and who gave it to you and why was it the best advice? Best is a hard one. Um, I, I will tell you one that I think about sometimes when I, when I talk to you, because you talk about mentorships. Um, so I, uh, 15, 20 years ago, um, I didn't really understand exactly what mentorships was. I, I didn't really know what it meant. It's not something that's taught to you necessarily. Uh, I didn't have the, uh, you know, it wasn't like something handed down to me and I just, you know, I didn't observe other people doing it necessarily. So I had to kind of understand what it was, but over time I was able to have a few mentorships. We didn't call them that. What we called them was lunch. <laughs> and, um, and I just cultivated those and, and learned and brought issues, brought problems, brought challenges. And I listened to their stories and these developed into lifelong, um, learning experiences from boots. It's boots on the ground stuff from people that I respected and still respect to this day. In many cases, we're still friends, but that mentorship dynamic, uh, I think is absolutely critical. I think that's, that's a really a big one. Well, do you, um, well, everyone just, I'll, again, I want to echo what Shane said. And it's, it's, I think it's really annoying to me, honestly, I mean, be real with you. Um, I think a lot of people talk about, um, I mean, want to talk about mentorship, but they don't tell you how to have mentorship. Like what you said, like no one really like, okay, this is how you get a mentor. Like, so um, understanding how to get a mentor is extremely important. And we shouldn't have to like what Shane had to do, kind of just figure it out ourselves. Like our, our our systems, our organizations should be teaching us how to do these things because it benefits them, right? If they if you're better. So, you know, feel free to reach out to me if you have any questions on mentorship. I'd love to talk to you more about it. Uh look at the link in the, in the below as well. Um ah, okay, okay. What I'm gonna do is I'm I'm gonna stop asking questions. I I'll ask you more questions offline, and you and I can keep talking. Um, so everyone, by the way, I'm getting more of this because I get to talk to them. That's my my prerogative. So um, Shane, <laughs> do you have any final thoughts, ideas, anything that you'd like to share with those who are listening and watching today? Well, some of this has been, uh, most of it's been work-related. Uh, I'd share one. Uh, this is just me personally. I, I'm not suggesting other people do it. Um, everywhere I've lived, I always try to be engaged in the community where I live. And that for me has taken for the shape of, um, uh, of different quasi government related uh, things. Like for example, in Alexandria city where I raised my, my, my girls, um, that was the youth policy commission. And then a, uh, a, part of the school board, very local. These are, these are local people. You know, we had the, on the youth policy commission, we had the mayor of Alexandria. We had the chief of police of Alexandria. We had the person in charge of the school system. Uh, and then we had citizens and, but it was, Alex, it was hyper-local. 
But I did that on purpose. And so where I am now in Maryland, I'm on the ethics commission for my county. It's not a huge um, time commitment, but it's an important one. It's a way I can give, get, give back to, to where I live. Um, other people do this through churches. Some people don't do it at all. You know, uh, I, you know, I'm just saying for me, that was something that I've found very enriching. And um, uh, so that's something to consider is, is what can you do to help others and what form might that take? And some people just, it's not possible, right? I get that. But if you've got the opportunity to give back a little bit locally, or nationally, but locally for sure is a, is a satisfying um, endeavor. So I would I would say think about that. You know, thank you so much. I think that's the, that's the perfect 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 way to end this conversation today because you're talking about again as you've been talking about the entire time, providing value to others, um, giving back. Um, thank you so much, Shane, for, for, for sharing, again, your ideas, your stories, your advice with us today. Um, I do tell everyone, as you know, don't just look back, reach back. What Shane was talking about is you can help other people. You, you know, helping other people doesn't mean that you need to give money. It could be time. It could be energy. It could be, it could be you know, posting. Like right now, there's some stuff going on across the world that are some messed up stuff and sometimes just causing awareness, bringing awareness to people what's going on. Like we can find very creative ways to help other people. Um, and so I, I encourage you, don't just look back, reach back. If you found anything of value in this time that we've spent with Shane, please don't keep it to yourself. Share it with your at least one friend, one colleague. Um, make sure they see this so that they can improve their lives as well, just as you did today. Um, I encourage everyone to also look at um, and visit our sister podcast, um, Fed Up. Um, they are freaking awesome. Uh, I love love. <laughs> She's wonderful. Um, yeah. Fed Upward is a wonderful podcast. I think it's fedupward.com. Um, check it out. And oh, shoot, all I can say is again, thank you, Shane. Thank you so much for being here with us. Um, as always, stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving. See you, everyone. See you, Shane. Thanks, Alex. Bye. Thanks for listening. Find us online at thealextrembleshow.com and be sure to share what you've learned with at least one other person today. Check back on the first and third Wednesday of each month for new episodes. Until next time, stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving. <laughs>